From KGW News, this is Straight Talk with Law Porter. Hello and welcome to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. This year we prepare to say goodbye to Portland's current form of government, one the city has functioned with for more than 110 years. In 2022, voters decided to switch from a commission form of government to a city manager, city administrator style starting in January of 2025. It's a dramatic change and now the city is racing against the clock to meet that deadline. The way the mayor and city council work is going to look a whole lot different. The city council will triple in size. Instead of four commissioners who head up bureaus, there will be 12 commissioners. They'll be elected from four different geographic districts, each represented by three commissioners. Only the mayor and the city auditor will be elected in a citywide election, and the mayor will have no veto power. The council members will no longer head up bureaus as they do now. They'll be focused on policymaking. A new city administrator appointed by the mayor and confirmed by the council will handle bureau management. It's up to the current council to make that transition, and it's become a bit messy at times. Meanwhile, the city's chief administrative officer in the city of Portland's Office of Management and Finance, Michael Jordan, is working behind the scenes to oversee the changes. Mayor Wheeler appointed Jordan to the position in 2022. He has 30 years of experience in management at the city, county, regional, and state levels. He was previously the director of Portland's Bureau of Environmental Services for seven years. And before that, he was a Clackamas County Commissioner and Canby City Administrator. Before entering public service, Jordan worked for 11 years at Pacific Power and Light. He joins us to help us get a better understanding of the changes coming our way, what it's going to take to get there, and how this new form of government is going to work. Welcome to my guest, Portland Chief Administrative Officer Michael Jordan. Welcome to Straight Talk. It's great to have you here. You mentioned you. that you were here in my 2017. Yeah, it's about time we have you back <laughs> on the show. Well, that's my pleasure. Well, this is such an important time for Portland. Paint a picture for us, Mike. Just how important is this? How big of a deal is it for Portland and its residents? Well, as you mentioned, 110 years is a long time to have a certain form of government and making the transition uh, is a big deal. Uh, you mentioned most of the aspects of the change that have to do with the governing body, with districts and multiple members. And, and one thing you didn't really mention very much is that uh, we will have a council that's only real role is to be the legislative body. They'll pass laws, they'll pass budgets, uh, they'll pass policy, but the day-to-day -day operation of the city now will be uh, up to an executive. The mayor is the executive of the city, uh, and uh, per the charter resolution, the or charter amendment, the uh, mayor has to appoint a professional city administrator, and per the charter, all city employees will report up to that city administrator. So for the first time, there'll only be one person that kind of calls the ball, if you will, for the city, rather than five elected officials that the bureau's reported up to. So it's a pretty big change. Well, Mike, why are we doing this anyway, though? Well, really, because the voters told us to <laughs> at the end of the day. But uh, as your, your uh, viewers may know, every 10 years in Portland, the charter requires the appointment of a charter commission. And so in 2020, the current city council appointed a 20-member commission, and their job really is to examine the charter and make any changes that they think are appropriate. And as many folks know, uh, in 2020 and up until now, uh, there's been a pretty big push that this form of government may not be the right form for the future of Portland. And so that commission took up that question. 
They did a lot of research across the country, looked at lots of different alternatives, and came up with this different way of electing our, our officials, different way of governing the city, and ultimately a different way of managing city government. So that's how we got here. And you have said that it's going to help Portland act more like the big city it is with its big city problems. We're not a, a small city anymore. Well, we are currently, just for context, uh, we are the biggest city in the United States with a commission form of government. All other big cities have moved to a different form. Strong mayor, council manager, uh, but a different form, usually meaning that there was one person accountable for the executive branch. And that's what we're moving to. People, you know, it's a big change and people get nervous and it's anxiety-ridden kind of shift. But what I tell people is we're actually moving from being the outlier to being in the norm of how, how city governments operate in the United States. Well, people have definitely heard the mayor's name and all the city council members' mm -hmm. names, but they may not know a lot about you. So tell us about your role. What do you do? Well, I actually prefer they not know it. <laughs> um, well, I'm, I'm the chief administrative officer under the current form of government, which really means I'm accountable for most of what, what we call the backroom services or the support services, so HR and uh, technology services and fleet and facilities and kind of all the things that support the people who do direct service. That's my role now. And because of this form of government that the commi five commissioners are in charge of bureaus, I currently report to the mayor, but I can't really, I don't have any authority over the other bureaus. Uh, they report up to commissioners. And so my authority really is those, those inside backroom services. So you're kind of working behind the scenes though right now trying to help with the transition. So what's your role now? Yeah, the council uh, back in uh, just after the uh, um, ballot measure passed in the fall of 2022, they passed a resolution which appointed me to to run the transition, if you will. And so all of the different aspects of, of transitioning to this new form of government, um, I have appointed a team of people who are working on all those different aspects, and they are myriad. You know, we had to have a district commission that actually formed the dis four districts. We had to have a salary commission that set the salaries for the new elected officials. We've got a, an oversight commission called GTAC, the Technical, or the Transition Advisory Committee, and we staff that committee, and they're helping us primarily with engagement and how to engage the public. Going forward, well, and the other thing we did in the last year is come up with this new structure for city government. And I like to tell people the last year has really been, as far as that's concerned, has been the architectural phase. We were in design, and now the council has adopted that new design, and now we're in the construction phase. So we're, we're looking to implement this year and try to get the new way of doing business in shape and, and we've w kind of worked out the kinks, if you will, by the time we hand the keys to a new mayor and a new council in January 25. So you just have a small job, it sounds like. It's a piece of cake. <laughs> well, let's take a look at the organizational <laughs> chart. Sure, this is sure. from your office. Right. And you talked about a new structure. So can right. you tell us how, I mean, it looks complicated, but tell <laughs> us how, break it down for us. How's this going to well, work? Uh, just to orient listeners and, and viewers, this, uh, this is a little bit different. You usually see organizational charts with the, the leadership at the top and then it goes like this. Well, ours is horizontal, so just so reorient you. 
and you'll see on the left side of the chart you see the mayor, the council, and the auditor, and the mayor has a number of appointments that uh, that person is in charge of. So the city administrator for one, the chief of police for another, and then the city attorney. So the mayor appoints those. They're confirmed by council. The mayor has unilateral right to remove them, however. So that's the left side there and kind of the elected side of the chart. And then you see the blue box is the city administrator. And to the right are all of the bureaus and departments that we currently have and offices at the city. Um, and then those colored boxes represent an office of a deputy city administrator that oversees that group. And what we had the mayor do back in January of 22, 23, excuse me, um, the mayor usually assigns bureaus to commissioners. And over time, that has been kind of a, I don't know, ad hoc way of handling things based on what the commissioner wanted to oversee and the balance of, of how things worked. We asked the mayor this time to put them into service areas. So you'll see on the chart that there's a service area for public safety, for public works, uh, for community and economic development, for operations, for budget and finance, et cetera. So we've got, the, we got them kind of bunched up, if you will, to get them to interact with each other in the last year and kind of kick off this transition. And then in November of last year, in 23, the council passed a resolution which formalized this chart. And that's the thing that we're working toward uh, to hand off to the new, new group in 25. So the new mayor elected mm -hmm. in November right. will hire the new city administrator, right. which is supposed to start in January. What's that timeline like? How are they going to do a search and then find this new city sure. administrator and hire by January? What we are, uh, what we're doing right now is going through with the current council, and we're appointing interims into all those roles. So there will be an interim city administrator this year, and we're going to put this new structure that your viewers saw into place July 1 of this year. So when the new fiscal year starts, and we're currently budgeting into that new structure, but when the fiscal year starts, we will start working the city in the new structure. And, uh, and there will be interims in those deputy roles and an interim in the city administrator role. So at least as things go now, we'll see what happens. But if I'm in that acting city administrator, interim city administrator role, um, the day after the election, I'll be calling the mayor-elect and saying probably your most important decision, your first term, will be to hire the city's first city administrator. We're going to do some pre-work with the community to try and get input on what their expectations are for this new city administrator, what kind of person, what set of experiences you know, and skills do they expect in that. So we'll, ha we'll have some of, something of a profile for the new mayor, but my advice will be it's going to be the biggest decision that they'll make and they need to do a really full nationwide search and get somebody and involve the community in such a way that no matter who they hire, they're in the best position they can be to be successful. That will take probably four months, maybe six, depending on how it goes. And so there'll be an interim city administrator that sits in the chair. That may or may not be me. So well, what's it going to take up to the you? Mayor. The mayor, the it's current the mayor. mayor, or no, the, the, the mayor new mayor will, will decide whether you're the city administrator, interim. Interim or not. Correct. Would you be interested in the permanent position? Uh, I'm a little, in case you haven't noticed, a little over old for that, some of that. <laughs> well, I don't think so. It's, but it, you'd like to you be know, the interim, but not necessarily the permanent one. Right. And, and again, I would tell the 
tell the mayor they need to do a very robust recruitment for this. It's a really important position. And I would also say that I will probably not be an applicant. Well, let me ask you about the role between the city administrator and the mayor. Mm -hmm. What is their relationship going to be? Well, it's up to them, obviously. But if, uh, if, it, if you're asking me, uh, those two people, at least, they will set the cultural norm for that relationship going forward. And having been a city administrator and an elected official in my, in my history, um, the relationship between them, they will need to be in each other's hip pocket, like all the time. And they together, representing the executive branch, will need to have a very close relationship with the council. Because they are building, again, the cultural norm for how the city will operate, probably for multiple election cycles to come. And, and so those first folks that are in those roles are just going to be so important to how this all works for the and city. And the mayor is going to oversee the police chief while the city administrator oversees all mm -hmm. these deputy administrators who are overseeing the bureaus. Right. How's that going to work with a mayor overseeing the police chief and public safety? Yeah, I realize it can be a bit of a paradox when folks look at it. Um, but I will tell you it's not that unusual. You mentioned that I was city administrator in the city of Canby. Uh, the city of Canby, I was in charge of the day-to-day -day operations, but the council retained the authority to hire and fire the police chief and hire and fire a couple of officers, a treasurer and a city recorder in that setting. And so while it may be unusual for folks who are thinking about how government works, it's not unusual to have the elected body or the elected executive retain the authority, particularly for police chiefs. It's such an important role uh, in local government. But having said that, the mayor and the, and the city administrator will work very closely together and having the day-to-day -day operations report up through a deputy and then the city administrator and having the city administrator directly accountable to the mayor, it, I think it will work just fine uh, as long as they're working well together. And that, that'll be really the important relationship. So the six deputy administrators oversee these six different service areas. Mm -hmm. Who are the deputy administrators accountable to? To the city administrator? They will be in the new form. They will be accountable directly to the city administrator. And I think those six and the administrator, along with maybe a couple of others to inform them, will probably end up being the core of the executive team for the city. And, and I, I, if I could add a little bit, the current city structure is not all bad. We're really good at being vertical. We're really good at understanding who the boss is and what the boss wants. And that's all the way to the elected official at the top these days. Um, what we're not maybe so good at is being horizontal. Um, and, and really the important part about that is that most of the big problems we face are multidisciplinary and it it is almost impossible for one bureau or one office to resolve those really big problems and we by almost definition have got to be better collaborators we've got to be better horizontally and we have to start seeing the city more as an enterprise rather than just a, a collection of offices and bureaus and I think this structure will really help do that and there may be some overlap as, as we move forward mm -hmm. maybe some streamlining <clears throat> what does this mean for city employees because this isn't just about the sure. mayor and the oh. commissioners and the city administrator, this is about 7,000 Portland City employees. What does it mean for them? Do they face possible layoffs? Well, uh, I'll get to that in a, sec uh, in a second. Um, on the one hand, this is the biggest change that this city's seen in over 100 years, as you noted. Uh, on the other hand, 
um, you know, no matter what the structure, this city will still need police that respond. They'll still need fire that responds. They'll still need maintenance people who keep the roads and the water systems and the sewer systems running every day. Uh, they'll still need people to keep our parks maintained. So for the vast majority of city employees, they will see very little change in their day-to-day -day life. But um, we are a political organization and um, the fact that we all report to elected officials, uh, politics is a huge issue for all of us who work in city government. And so people understand that there are big changes going on even though it may not affect their day-to-day -day existence. To the point of layoffs, um, I've said it from the very beginning and it still remains true today. The transition of city government is not about a force reduction exercise. And in fact, in my travels to most of the bureaus and services that we give, when I talk to people, they're overwhelmed. They're, they don't have enough capacity to do what they're asked to do today. And so this isn't about force reduction. Having said that, you may know and your viewers may know that the city's facing a pretty tough budget year. And in fact, the Bureau of Development Services has already laid off 56 folks. And I would imagine the Bureau of Transportation is facing potential layoffs this year also. So it doesn't mean there won't be layoffs, but they're not associated with transition, at least not initially. I think as we look horizontally across the enterprise with those six deputies and we think about how could we do business better, I think over time we will see efficiencies in the way we do business because today bureaus have to create almost everything they need inside themselves and so we recreate it bureau after bureau after bureau. When we can think about the city as an enterprise, we probably can be more efficient. Let me ask you real quick before we go to sure. a break. We have three major candidates running for mayor. They're out ahead with contributions and fundraising. Three current commissioners, mm -hmm. Rubio, Maps, and Gonzalez. What advice would you have? What piece of advice for the next mayor? Well, you're asking me to advise my current bosses, and that's always dangerous. Um, I think for any candidate running for mayor, um, the, the, the weight of being the first, as I said before, setting a cultural norm for how the mayor's office acts with the council, how the mayor's office relates to the management structure of the city, uh, they will set a cultural norm. And so this first, this first mayor will be incredibly important to the future of the city. Michael Jordan, it's time for us to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about the ballooning cost of running this new larger city council and how the budget process will work to pay for it. And as we go to break, here's a look at the City of Portland's webpage where you can find a lot more info on the big move to a new city administrator form of government. We're back in two minutes. Welcome back to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. We're talking with the City of Portland's Chief Administrative Officer, Michael Jordan. He's the man overseeing the momentous change for the city from one form of government to another. It is a huge undertaking and it's all supposed to happen by the beginning of next year. 
Mike, welcome once again. Thank you. Let's talk about the expense, because going to this new form of government, the, the cost is ballooning. Right mm -hmm. now, it's my understanding that it costs the city about $11 million to run the offices of mayor and city council, and that's going to go up to closer to $25 million. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot more than voters were told that it would be around $5 million when they voted for this. Commissioner Gonzalez has called the high cost of the transition outrageous. How is that being funded? And help us understand the city budget process as we move from one form of government to the other, which spans a fiscal year, right? Sure. Well, let me start with the estimates. Um, the city budget office was asked to make an estimate in the early fall of 22 before the election, and that those were the numbers that voters saw. The assumptions, however, when the estimates were made, really had no idea about the change in governmental structure. They talked about going from five electeds to 13 uh, and what that might cost. and. And, and so the, the, that's where the estimates came from, and they, where there were no assumptions about the organizational structure changing because it wasn't part of the, of the uh, uh, ballot measure. So uh, what's happening now is that most of those extra costs are associated with a city administrator, uh, deputy city administrators, the things that uh, have to be staffed in the executive office beyond the mayor, and what we did for budget purposes to make the assumption about the 10.9 million 11 that you mentioned for the elected officials, we are assuming that's the cost for the elected. So we're taking that and we're gonna try to do it for 13 with that same amount of money that we're currently doing it for five. And so that's what we're budgeting for. I'm not sure that the council will actually approve that because it assumes only one staff person for each uh, city councilor and five for the mayor. And I think all the electeds that are there today believe that that may not be enough staff for the elected officials. So we'll see what they approve in the budget ultimately. The rest of the money, again, has to go with the structural change we're doing to city government. The six deputies, uh, any support they might need, and then the city administrator and that support. And, and what we're doing for a budget purpose is, so I'll just give you an example. My position goes away. I, my position won't exist July 1st of this year. So we're taking the money that currently goes to my salary and benefits and we're using it for the city administrator. And, and I have a deputy in my office that won't have a job either. So you're out of a job after July? There, there, my position will not exist. Uh, there'll be an interim city administrator, and the mayor has said he may appoint me to that. We'll see. Uh, but there won't be a chief administrative officer on July 1st. So we're taking those positions that are going away from the old form of government, and we're using as much of it as we can to help fund the new positions that are in place. We're not covering them all, believe me. But uh, what will happen is uh, the, we'll make a proposal for the budget. Uh, and then the mayor will take all the things that come from all the bureaus and there'll be a mayor's proposed budget which will come out in late April and the council will then get to deliberate and have the final say of what they will actually fund and, and they're the ones who have the final word on what we do. You yeah. mentioned earlier the Government Transition Advisory Committee yes. there, or GTAC with 15 right. members. Right. Who are they? What's their role? Well, the community members uh, appointed by the mayor and confirmed by the council, and their role is to oversee really all aspects of the transition and primarily uh, be our, our, our primary contact with the community. And they're helping us uh, architect community engagement processes. Um, they're helping us, they're advising us 
we're going to talk next week about the budget that's being proposed and is it enough to finish the work for the rest of the year and and the work that we're doing regarding the restructuring so they're really overarching advisors on all aspects of and i understand energy. people at home can mm -hmm. ask for somebody from the gtac committee to come to their group or organization to make a presentation right? yes they are currently making presentations all over the city and i'm i don't even know the number that they've made so far but that's their role as in part that they've taken up and they're actually commissioned to be in existence through i believe march of 25 so they'll stay in existence clear through the new council and mayor we only have about less than a minute left okay. but i wanted to ask you to kind of wrap things up for us <laughs> leave viewers with a final thought well i think uh residents in Portland uh, should be very excited about this. I think it is a true inflection point in the city's history. Um, it'll take a little while for it to get, you know, find its legs and run the way we'd like it to run, but I think it's going to be a huge cultural shift and particularly having a city administrator who is ultimately accountable to, for everything the city does. What that does is it makes the administrator force accountability on everybody else in the organization. And so um, I, think, I think folks in Portland will find that this is a huge change uh, in the way we deliver service. Michael Jordan, thank you so much for joining us. A lot to take in here. If you'd like to learn more, check out the city's website about the transition. And remember, you can request a government transition advisory committee member make a presentation to your group. And good luck. Michael with with the transition. Thanks. We've talked a lot about the city. We're going to talk about the county next week with Multnomah County Commissioner and Portland School Board member Julia Brim Edwards. We'll see you next week for Straight Talk. Have a great week.